It is good to be back here. I think it's been a while since I've been here, but my wife has been here, so she tells me everything that goes on over here. Good, bad, and ugly. No, they're always good. There's nothing ugly here. Um, looking at the scriptures this morning, we're looking at um, two characters here, Joash and Elisha, two different people. Their own walk with God. Joash, he knew God. Elisha the prophet also knew God. But when we want to get into the scripture here, right, in this reading, let's get into the front row and look at what was going on. And then we will get into the fullness of what we want to hear from what the Lord might have for us. You see, at this point of time, um, King Joash, this is not the, uh, there are two Joashes. The first one is a good king. Remember that king, he got an adult-sized crown when he was 12 years old. But this is the other King Joash who was actually a very bad king. He didn't have much uh, of character. He was very immoral and that kind of a king. He, he, and he, at that point, when he came to see Elisha, Elisha was at, on his deathbed. This was his last miracle. And he was producing for God even on the deathbed. We'll come to that in a second. But what has happened here is there is the Syrian army. At that point of time, Syrian army was the superpower. I mean, the Syria was a superpower. They had tremendous amount of defense budget, that their army was well-fed, battle-ready, armed to the teeth, and they had many fortified cities where they could go and get their arms at, at a short notice. This army was just 40 miles away from where uh, King Joash was. And when King, uh, when King Joash heard about this army coming, there was no way he could match that army. There was no way he could um, overcome such an onslaught of the enemy because they were a ruthless um, army, merciless. At this point, he was not worried about the citizens. He was worried about his own life. And so in the cover of that, he goes to Elisha. You see, the king was looking for a direction. And here's Elisha affirming a direction. In a short while, you'll see that unfolding before us. And so when he comes, he says to Elisha, Oh, my father, oh, my father, the chariots and the horsemen. You see, oh, my father, oh, my father is a cliche of those days. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen were also a cliche of those days where people understood what it meant. But here we want to look at his way of greeting. Oh, my father, oh, my father. On the outset of it, on the outside of it, it looks good because he was respectful of the prophet. Are you listening to me? Many of us, I call this whole message the sin of superficiality. This is the curse of the present generation 
that we are in. We are all part of that present generation. And many of us call ourselves Christian, and yet our walk can be very superficial, or at best, when, we, when it's convenient, we are very strong Christians. When it's inconvenient, that's when we put, point our fingers to God and say, where are you, or whether you still care for me, or do you remember me? Do you even know my name? Do you know where I live? That's the kind of attitude we have sometimes with God when things go wrong in our lives. And so here, uh, we see the superficiality of our lives. You see, you can talk the talk. You can talk the talk. We are very good Christians. We can speak. If you ask any one of us here to pray, we will pray. We, we know how to pray. We even know some, uh, some scriptures. It, it's very superficial. In fact, when you pray, uh, I, I've spoken in more than 120 denominations. I can tell which denomination you come from by the way you pray, by the, by the words that you use. We're so uh, conformed in our minds with what we are shaped with, with what we are. But our, is our heart in congruence with what we speak? Or what we speak, is it really aligning with what we have in our heart? Because we could come to church, outwardly we're good, but inwardly we're upset with some people here. You're wondering, oh my goodness, I came to this church for the first time and I see this old face, I'm not coming to church anymore. How about some people who come to church, you're arguing in the car. You just had a fight in the car and then you come into church and you pretend everything is hunky-dory and smile at one another. You, you just went through a huge, but everybody thinks your marriage is beautiful. And yet you were just messing each other up when you were coming in the car. Are you with me so far? We, talk, we, we just can talk the talk. Amen. We can use the language. We can use the spiritual jargon. And so he tried that to cover himself and comes to Elisha. And Elisha sees it through and he says, oh, my father, oh, my father. I mean, he was using the spiritual jargon and of the, uh, the language of those times. And when he came there, Elisha, he saw it through. So he cut the whole conversation down and he said, okay, I know why you came here. And so he says, take the bow and arrow. I'm going chronologically as we read. And so he takes the bow and arrow. He says, point to the east window. That's a whole other message in itself. What has that got to do with the east? He says, shoot. And he shot. And he says, the arrow of your deliverance. Now he, when he heard that, he was ready to go home. Because he now knew that there was deliverance. There are many of us, when we go through a struggle, we can spend hours on our knees. We can say, oh God, oh God, help us, help us. Oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Oh God, kill him, kill him, kill him. We, we, we can pray like that so long on our knees. And when God in his mercy answers those prayers, do we spend the same amount of time on our knees thanking him? Or is it just... A thank you. You see, that's called superficiality. God still loves us. And in his love, in his mercy, he still answers us. But are we that kind of a strong uh, 
radical Christians that God is really seeking for. The world around us will change if the superficiality of our walk with God is eliminated. So that superficiality, oh my father, oh my father, how many times have we come to God and prayed in King James language as though that's the only language God understands? Or we become Pentecostals, or we become Charismatic, or Methodists, or Baptist, or Anglicans. We, we pray, and I'm not faulting us on that. Because we feel that is the only conduit of uh, communication with God. The way we have shaped up. But the actual reality here is, are we praying our heart? Why? God is not impressed with how we pray. God is impressed with what we pray. Are you with me? When I first got married with Jennifer... I took her to my hometown to show her off and to show her where I came from. So we went to this prayer meeting. And that's the prayer meeting I used to be part of and even led that prayer meeting. It's about 400 people. So we finished the prayer meeting. And I, she was on my scooter at the back. And we were driving along. And there is one uh, a side road that is one-way traffic, and it becomes two ways after 9 p.m. And so I, if I go through that, I'll save three kilometers. So it was 10 minutes to 9. I said, okay, 10 minutes to 9. I'm sure there will be grace for me. God will forgive me. So I went into that one-way traffic, which is still not two ways yet, 10 minutes left, and I'm going, and they see this big truck coming in front of me, big lorry. 40 seconds to impact. And she's sitting at the back, and she's thinking, what is this guy thinking? 30 seconds to impact. She's thinking, why did I marry this in stupid Indian? 15 seconds to impact. She's thinking, this is serious. 10 seconds to impact, and she says, Jesus! And a miracle happened. That whole scooter turned 180 degrees. I don't know how it happened, but it did. What's my point here? She didn't say as a Methodist, our gracious heavenly father, we come to your presence right now and in this hour of trouble, Lord, would you speak wisdom to this stupid Indian, Lord? No, she didn't say all that. She just screamed, Jesus! She cut through all the superficiality. She spoke to God in that urgency of what is about to happen. Is somebody listening to me? How do you pray to God? How do you connect with God? Are you connecting with what's in your heart or are you going with superficiality and you're going with flowery words, you're going with all of that and God is saying, come on, come on, get to the point, get to the point. She just screamed and God answered her prayer because I still didn't know what I was supposed to do at that time. I was young and stupid and God heard her prayer. Superficiality is one of the deceptions of the church today. 
We, we can come to prayer meetings. We can come to church with superficiality. And some of us come to church just to soothe conscience. Because after this, you can go and say, I went to church, so I'm a good Christian. Seriously. How do you define good Christian? Seriously now. Just because you come to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. Are you with me? Okay, you are a Christian. But just because you are a Christian, that doesn't mean you are a walking Christian. Oh, Sam, I'm walking. No, you're not walking in the fullness of what God is speaking to you personally. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Are you with me so far? That's my introduction. Now let's preach. Are you ready? Amen? And so he's looking at him and he says, in that superficiality... He says, oh, my father, oh, my father. He, ne- he was a, such a selfish guy. He couldn't care less. He would do anything to get his way. How many of you know people like that who would do anything to get their way? And you'll say, yeah, I know somebody like that. But that's a reflection of yourself. That's a total reflection of yourself. We are all selfish. I am selfish. And, you know, when in that selfishness, I do things, I manipulate things, I manipulate the situation, I can play upon people's emotions and get my way. I can even lie and make it look like truth. And so in that superficiality, Elisha, even though he was on his deathbed, he was thinking of Israel for Israel's sake. He said, okay. Point to the east window and shoot. And he says, you got the arrow. That is the arrow of your deliverance. And when he heard that, he went back. And I stopped there earlier and said, how often do we even stop and thank God? How often do we thank God for all the good things he's done? For all the things that he has called us All the things that he has blessed us, do we thank him enough? Or do we just say, thank you, Jesus? And when the trouble, when the the storm hits again, we go back again and then thank you, Jesus. Do we? I believe God is calling the church to go deeper. When I say church, that includes me. It's the universal church, not gateway. He's calling his people to go deeper. From mere superficiality. And then he says to Elisha, take the arrow and strike the ground. So I almost want to dramatize this for you. So he's taking this arrow because he got what he wanted. He heard that the arrow of deliverance. So he says, okay, he's such an old senile man. One, two, three, happy. I mean, he said, strike the ground. So he's now got what he wanted. He thought, what is this religious stuff that I'm doing? One, two, three. Are you happy, Mr. Elisha? And the man of God gets upset. Now, I struggled with that sometimes. You know, when Moses struck the stone three times. God got upset. This guy strike three times and God is saying, why don't you strike even more? Make up your mind, God. So that's the tension I had. But the reality was, Moses did that out of anger. This guy did that out of superficiality. 
just to please somebody. To please. The obedience was to please somebody. You know, the, when I first came to the Lord some 40 years ago, there is a great singer. His name is Keith Green. He used to have a song called, I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Today, when the church becomes superficial, they become man pleasers. They become man pleasers. We please people just to be even accepted. Are you with me? And so he wanted to please Elijah by doing one, two, three. Point number three. The test of your obedience generally comes unannounced. God does not tell you, okay, I'm going to give you a test on the book of Ephesians this Friday. What do you think you'll do? You look at book of Ephesians for the first time in six months, you're looking at it. And you read through Ephesians and Friday, you're all set. And there's the question and you answer it. That's not obedience. Obedience to God comes when you, when you most, in an unexpected moment. The test of your obedience and my obedience comes generally unannounced. God wants to know if your heart and my heart is in that place that we would bring pleasure to God no matter what with our obedience. For God, obedience is far greater than doing all of our rigmaroles. I mean, I could dance till thy kingdom come before God. I could do all kinds of gyrations before God. But that wouldn't do anything. That's all external. What God is looking for is, is the internal. Because we, you and I, look at the outward and we say, wow, what a holy person is. Oh, if you think I'm holy and anointed, all you have to do is sit with my wife for an hour. No, 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 no. And ask her all my problems. She will volunteer information about my holes in my life. I have a lot of holes in my life. And so all of us do. You know, I come from the city of Bangalore. And the language there is Kannada. In Canada, there's one proverb. A lot of maninali, dosa tutagide. That means no matter which house you make dosa, there will be holes in it. Are you with me? No matter which house you make dosa, there will be holes in it. So no matter which church you come from or how many times you come to church, we still have holes. And in that hole, we try to perform for acceptance. God is not into performance. God is not into you trying to please him by doing things. You know, many of us, get, we get deceived by saying, I did this, I did this, I did this. I went to hospital, I prayed for people, I come every Friday for worship, I, sorry, intercession, I do this, I do that. We can say all of that, that's religiosity if there is no obedience. If there is obedience in your heart, that no longer becomes religiosity. It just becomes a devotion. Is somebody listening to me? Why do we do what we do? There has to be a reason. Is it something that we really want to live for God or not? 
The test of your obedience generally comes unannounced. What was the last thing God asked you to do? Don't worry about five years ago, God told me to do that. I'm still working on it. No, no, no. What did he tell you yesterday? What did he tell you last week? You see, our obedience to God should have these characteristics. Number one, it has to be instant. Number two, it has to be joyful. Even, even though if it's hard. Number three, it has to be whole. Because partial obedience is equal to disobedience. Because we can say to God, oh, 98% I already obeyed, but 2%, it's okay, la, let me go. What is it? How many times you and I have told that to our siblings or our children. You know, I did everything except one or two. It's okay. Let's let it go. No, 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 no. If you made a promise, you have to fulfill the entirety of it. Is somebody listening to me? Amen? Whole. Partial obedience is equal to disobedience. He could even do 99%. It's still not obedience. Second part of that characteristics of obedience is delayed obedience is equal to disobedience. You know, my son, you know, we train our children and we don't give them money to do house chores. That's their response. That's the responsibility to mow the lawn, to uh, wash dishes, to do that, to this, laundry. Why should we pay them? I mean, it's many people do. We said, no, that's your responsibility. So one of the responsibilities is take the garbage out. And Jennifer will say, in the morning, take it. Yes, I will do it. Two hours later, Daniel, take the garbage out. Yeah, I'll do it. No worries. I'm, I'll do it. And by the time evening comes, we're already upset. And in that, are you going to take the garbage out or not? Or would you be grounded? Straggling, he'll take the garbage out. Delayed obedience. And what is, the, what is happening in that straggling? I wish I was 18 years old. I'll get out of this house and I would have a free life. All teenagers today are waiting to get out of the house because they don't want to rise up to the responsibility that God has given them through parents. Is somebody listening to me? But you see, some of us, even as adults, we take a long time to come through with our obedience. Delayed obedience is equal to disobedience. Amen? Amen? But what has that got to do with us? He said, knock the ground three times. No, you should have. Knocked it many more times. Then he would have whipped the enemy. But right now, only three times. And then you're in the obituary column. That's with sadness, Elisha pronounced those words. And he was angry too. Why was he angry? Because Israel would be facing the consequences of his follow through his follow through and this 
is where I shift gears. How many families here are experiencing consequences because we don't follow through with what God has called us? Things go wrong in our work. Your car breaks down. Suddenly, people get sick in your family. It goes on, repetitive, one after the other, one after the other. These are consequences. It's not because, oh my gosh, somebody put a BOMO, they asked some BOMO stuff. No, 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 it's about you. You see, we face the consequences when you clearly know that we have not obeyed God and we have been living a superficial life. Amen? There are people here. Today, I believe God wants to set us free totally. God wants to release to us. A brother who was here who was talking about, you know, God wants to intervene in your journey, in your darkness, in your sickness, in your... And he gave a whole list. I believe all that is possible. But not before you come to God and say, God, I want to... I want you to revisit my heart and I want to give my heart to you again, God. Not in salvation issue, in the saying of, I want to yield my heart. I want to surrender my heart in total obedience. You see, when you're a Christian, you do not have rights. When I say you, it's a plural you. It includes me. You see, when I say I'm a Christian, I do not have any more rights. I've yielded my whole life to him. And when I yield my life, I am at his beckoning. Are you with me? Where's your heart this morning? I believe God wants to usher because when you obey God, this is the consequence. God unloads Actually, I want to use a bigger word. You know, I'm thinking of that big dump truck. Have you ever seen that truck that just opens up and all, everything falls out? I believe God is so generous that he unloads blessings upon you because of obedience. You may not see it instantly, but it's on the way. Now, here's the danger. Some of us get very satisfied with some of our prayer requests being answered. Yes, God does that. But those are little lollipops. We suck on it. We are very happy. Like little children, we get that lollipop. And then when that's over, we start whining again and God throws another lollipop. And are you satisfied with lollipops? Or God wants to give you an unload blessings upon you. This is not prosperity gospel. This is a direct relationship uh, and directly consequential to your obedience to God. How many of you want to be blessed by God? That's a stupid question. Everybody will say, yes, I want to be blessed. How many of you want to see some reversing in your life and in your family and in your work to be reversed? Because you're going through something. Everything you do right, you're even giving extra money in the tithes. It's still not making anything happen. Because we are trying to earn our stuff by doing. God is saying, that's not what I want. I want you to obey me. And 
this morning is that moment. This morning is that moment. I believe God wants to ask you what a privilege it is to come into church and worship. And what a privilege it is. Are you with me? This is what I'd like you to think about for a moment before we respond to God. Have I been walking in superficiality? Don't blame the situation around you, your family, people in the church. No. You just answer that one question to God. Have I been walking in superficiality? Have I been walking a life of instant obedience to God? Or have I dragged my feet just to please God? Third, are you in that place right now to see for a true intervention of God in your personal life? For a reversing, a complete reversing of the permission that the enemy has to even curse us. But we can reverse that. If your answer for any of these is yes, I don't care which one it is, and it's not about confession of sin. I mean, next time I come and speak, I will talk about obedience and sin relationship. But that's totally different. That's in the face of temptation. But this is with us where God is saying, would you walk with me closely? Would you walk with me closely? Because I have the best for you. And when... Sharina comes and plays. It's not... You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't need any extra special effects for us to work with. But there's an anointing, like a prophetic anointing upon the instrument. And let that anointing permeate the space. In a prophetic sense, let that instrument Speak to us words of encouragement. Let that instrument speak to us. Not just words of encouragement, but words of hope. And let that prophetic unction of the instrument speak that it become a reality to say, I am with you. Amen. Let's just pause before God. The presence of God is here. And reflect. Amen. I would like you to stand. Come Holy Spirit. Let your word proceed, O God, into each one's heart. And let your word destroy every lie and deception that the enemy has wound us in. Let your word today, this morning, oh God, break open the shallowness of our walk with you. Come Holy Spirit, move amongst us. For whatever thing that you want God to minister to you, this is not 
you're not coming up here because you're as a sign of weakness you're coming up here because god is attracted to you and he's wooing your heart doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are all right let's pray and then we'll turn it over lord jesus thank you for these wonderful souls who are here in the front according to their level of humility that caused them to come to the altar would you release to them would you release to them so this morning oh god i pray prophetically that in each of these lives you will intervene oh god in each of these lives you will intervene and i pray god that tonight would be the hour of them coming face to face with you to say yes god to whatever you ask me to do may tonight be that memorial stone that they would say later i remember this is the place where god and i met and so father i pray and would you bless each one of these release to them oh god release to them a blessing beyond what they can even imagine because you desire to bless and not just give lollipops but boatloads truckloads of your blessing and so father i thank you and praise you and so father i pray for the rest of the congregation may they come under the covering of gateway god and that protection and i pray that every household that is here that you would visit them and you would bless them wherever they are whatever their need is i pray god for the entirety of the ones that have come to the church this morning and the ones who have missed i pray for the entirety of that protection of that covering for gateway in jesus name amen